Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Philip Bontanier to my Steve Cooper. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, Justin. It's one of my favourite times of the year. The anticipation for the big one. People asking, are you ready yet? And people counting down the days and now it's here. It's our team of the season so far for the championship. How excited are you, Peachy? I hate, you, I hate you asking me how excited I am because no matter how excited I am, my voice pitch never changes. I am excited, but guess what? I sound exactly the same as I would do normally. So I'm buzzing with trepidation here. I cannot wait, but the listeners just cannot cannot get that feeling across. I can't get that feeling across. He's got to take his word for it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but the, this actually is one of my favourite episodes of the year because for me, it's, you know, the period around the playoffs, our awards, are league table predictions at the start of the season this is where we get to really praise the great the brilliant the excellent in the championship this season so that's why I'm just so excited for this Justin yeah and also it's a chance for for people to go oh maybe we have been doing okay because there'll be some players in here where they may have gone under the radar or they may have not been noticed and this is the halfway point of the season we're approaching the halfway point of the season so this is a really good time to shine that light on yeah on these players who yeah may may not have had it throughout the season Let's get shining. Let's get your light out for the lads. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is our team of the season so far. So we're going to be revealing that very shortly. It's a 4-4-2 formation. We've got proper Brexit with this. And so that's one bit of admin out of the way. Another bit of admin is our league table, not our league table predictions, our predictions for the weekend, which we will be doing. Um, because, of course, we have got games coming up this weekend. It'll be foolish of us not to look ahead to that. And then we'll finish off with Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. So there's only one position where you usually kick things off when you do a team of the season, Justin. That's the lad between the sticks. Who have we got as our goalkeeper in our team of the season so far? We've gone with Ipswich Towns at Vlaklav Hladky. That's a difficult one to get out of the way first when you just start recording. Um, I mean, let's be honest, he's, he has been one of the surprises of the season for a number of reasons. Started the season as second choice behind Christian Moulton. Christian Moulton got injured, so we're bearing that in mind. Um, and, and he's been thrust into action. You actually had some reservations, didn't you, at the start of the season because of this because of this potential issue. And the mm. fact that this is Hladky's first spell in the Championship as well. That shows how much of a step up he's needed to make, but he has been fantastic. And I mean, I have said before as well that Ipswich do concede a fair few goals. The number of chances they face backs that up, meaning that Hladke is actually going to be a busier boy than, than many may anticipate. They're an attacking side and you need a goalkeeper who's going to do his fair share of the work in saving shots. And he has done that. And he's been one of the top performing goalkeepers in the league. But not only that, he's so calm with the ball. He allows Ipswich to build from the back and... 
seven clean sheets in, in 22 games joined my second in the league it's, it's it's a good it's a good stat to have as a as a gk yeah it's not a bad one is it and it is quite the journey going from second choice at the beginning of the season to best goalkeeper in the league but <laughs> that is what's happened this season i was worried about it because Christian Moulton, their number one keeper last season, was so important to their success. And when Hladki had played, he looked a bit shaky. And I vividly recall, Justin, as you say, after the first game of the season saying, I'm not sure about him. Hmm. What was I worrying about? He's been class. And it's a bit strange that he has been so busy when he's playing for the team. I've been the second best in the division so far, but he has. And he has won them points on his own. And I think that's always the biggest compliment you can give a keeper. Winning hmm. points by what he does between the sticks. Um, and he's made such a difference, not just with his hands, but also with his feet, of course. You need to be able to play out from the back in this Ipswich team. And Kladke has managed it superbly well. Yeah, he has. He has. He's, he's, been, he's been good. He's been really, really good. And again, again that's probably understating it. But like you said, Ipswich are, are, a, are a front foot attacking team. And, and that means they're going to concede chances um, and they're going to concede goals. But Kladke has done his very, very best to, to ensure that isn't the case. And again, Ipswich getting good results isn't just down to him, but he's played a key role in them making a record-breaking start this season. He absolutely has. Let's go to our right back, Justin. That is Trey Hume of Sunderland. It was a close one between him and Carl Walker-Peters for me, but we've decided to give young Hume the nod. And 2023 will be remembered for many things. One of the big things for me will be the rise of Trey Hume from a championship perspective. He has become an ever-present at the back for Sunderland. He's been asked to play in several positions, despite traditionally being a right back, but has flourished wherever he has played. I saw a report not too long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, that only 23 outfield players in Europe have played more minutes in 2023 than Trey Hume at club level and internationally. That is remarkable for someone who is only 21. And he has come on leaps and bounds this year, has now developed into arguably the best right back in the division, Justin. Most yeah, most all round right back in in a division. And was something I really want to point out is he's I think he's the only player in the di uh, division as well who has a mullet, like a proper mullet. And I'm not talking about you know a short one. He is he is committed to his mullet, and I think that goes a long long way into not only saying how cool you are, but also how how out there you are, how edgy you are. And you need to be edgy as a right back nowadays because you got to get forward, you have got to be back, you have got to be balanced. And like a mullet. You need to be all business at the front, but party at the back. And my God, that is a clear depiction of how he plays. That's all you've got to say on him. His, his mullet, <laughs> is it? Not, nothing to say about how good a player he's been. He's been fantastic this season, but I just wanted to bring in the mullet metaphor because that is a good summary of how he is. He does the business in the final third. He supports the attacks, but really defensively is where he is. He's a tough tackling defender and he's been a real key asset to something and one that's risen or has had to rise quite quickly because of the injury crisis last season. Yeah, and you're right, he is tough tackling. No player in the Championship has won more tackles than him this season. He's been a rock for Sunderland. Only three teams have conceded fewer goals than the Black Cats and the rise of Trey Hume has been a big part of that. Justin, who is our first centre-half in our team of the season so far? We've gone with Wout Feiss of Leicester City's centre-half. I mean, going on the hair front, he's got great hair, great jawline. He's so calm with the ball. He's athletic. He's just a dream and he's been so good for Leicester this season. To play the way they do, again, you need to be calm and composed as a defender and with the ball 
Faust epitomizes that. The way he drives forward with the ball into space as well is so fantastic. And you like to make the Rolls Royce analogy quite a lot. I hate it because Rolls Royces are slow, they're chunky, they're thick, they're horrible. So Faust is as far from a Rolls Royce as you need to be as a defender. He's he's more of a you know, trying to think of a fast car that is on the spot here, which isn't going to be ideal because my car knowledge is limited. But is think, he not a bit of a Rolls Royce because no. he, well, he's classy and no, you know, he's big and strong and he's just got he's just got style about him as well. Rolls Royces cannot turn; they're they're slow. They're just as far from the Faust aspect as you can be. As I say, he's very agile for a defender. So what is he like a Range Rover? No, you're choosing big, thick cars here. You you want to be you want to be going for like a, I don't know, a, a, I don't know, Mercedes A class, something that's quick, a bit thick, can turn. I don't know. Someone's going to correct me on this. You say but... thick, you mean like chunky, not stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a real, real, real terrible way of uh, praising a player. He's thick as anything him, um, but he's not. He's, he's not. He's intelligent because you've got to be to be a composed player in this Leicester City team you've got to choose the right passage you've got to choose your moments when you're going to drive forward and you've got to complement um, the way they play and Faust does it he's solid he's composed and by far the, the best defender in the league so far yeah well when Leicester got relegated I was looking at their squad and thought surely Val Feiss can't stay but he has so someone who plays regularly for the Belgium national team is one of the best centre-backs in the division this season wow what a shock who saw this coming he is just ridiculously good, though. And I don't know what else there is to say, really, just in that you haven't said. He, it's no surprise that he's a ridiculously good defender. His passing range is outrageous. And I think this season has been a real confidence booster for him because he was at fault for a few goals in Leicester's relegation. Now he looks like a Belgian Beckenbauer. So he's been <laughs> at the heart of a defence which has only conceded 16 goals in 22 games. And he's the best centre-back in the league. By quite a distance, there's just no one else who comes close. I don't think. No, there, there, there isn't, and um, he should he should really be playing top flight football. I saw Roberto Martinez praise him incredibly highly. Um, I think it was during the World Cup, or it may have been during an FA Cup run when he was when he was a pundit for uh, the BBC. Um, and you know, it's, it's a lot of praise. He's, he's an international standard defender, and you're right, he did make a few mistakes, but. I think dropping down a league has, has helped him really step out and, and, and mature, which is a weird thing to say, but he, he has. He's, he's a great, great player to watch, even as a centre-back. And you can't say that very often. Yes, and we'll go to the other centre-back, who is quite familiar to old Valti Feiss. It's Yannick Vestergaard of Leicester City. Now, prior to this season, Yannick Vestergaard was in the wilderness at Leicester. He was on the scrap heap, merely someone who turned up to the training ground and was ignored by everyone else, hissnapped by everyone else. That's not the case anymore. He has gone from not playing in a league game last season to a key man for Leicester City. And, I mean, similar to Feist, we are talking about someone who's a fully-fledged Denmark international. So it should be no surprise that he's very good in the championship. But he has been an absolute rock at the back for this Leicester side who have only conceded 16 goals so far. He's also a passing machine. He's completed the most passes in the division. He's completed more than a third of the passes that Rotherham have this season, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, but he is a marvellous, marvellous player who has fully enjoyed being back in the fold at Leicester City. 
Yeah, it's quite remarkable. Again, his turnaround. We're talking about uh, Blackaf Hladki um, being a surprise contender of the season. I think Vestergaard is one of them because he was almost a joke figure for both Southampton fans and Leicester fans. Um, because, I mean, his form was, was pretty hopeless for, for both sides, which is, it goes a long way to why saying why he didn't play last season. But coming down a league again under Moresco, he seems to have regained his confidence. And for a man of his size, to complete the amount of passes he has, the stereotype says he's a head it and lump it kind of guy. Tony Pulis would be licking his lips at the thought of bringing him into his team. Um, but he's he's composed and, he, and he's really picked out. And he, am I right in saying as well, he's, he, he scored of his, let's say his groin earlier on in the season, didn't he? It was his groin. Um, I'm sure it was his groin. I think you're being polite, Justin. I think it was his dick. Yeah, the, the groin covers a, a large area. I don't want to assume. Um, it could have been. It could have been a yeah, penis or testicle. We don't know, but it was definitely the groin area. <laughs> That's what he's got. He can pass and pass and pass and pass, and every so often scores with his cock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's also worth saying. Leicester's centre-back pairing have incredibly strong jawlines. They mm. have, they're probably the best centre-back pairing in the division. Well, they are the best centre-back pairing in the division. They also have the best jawlines too. I mean, Vestergaard's is incredibly strong and Valtfeis is not far behind him either. I don't know where to, to go from that. You are right. I, I completely agree. Um, the jawlines are straight. They're they they look tough. They Chiseled. just They look tough. Chiseled. They look tough. They look like uh, a... a renaissance sculptor has just sculpted them out of mm. uh, what marble shall we say i don't yeah. know the, the kind of rock they do but you know don't what I mean. get too close to it justin otherwise you could cut your finger on it you can exactly. get a paper cut on that and um, who's our left back justin i don't think this one's going to be a surprise to many no it isn't it's, it's leaf davis of, of, uh, of Ipswich town we've praised him so so often he's dominated our monthly team of the months as well and rightly so you've got a defender who's almost a definition of magic when it comes to using his left foot I don't like to use a cliche but it's a bit of a wand um, I mean that's, uh, we can talk about the obvious factor as well his, his delivery is incredible he's got nine assists this season which for a defender is I mean it's on par with Georgina Rutter at, at Leeds and Kinnadusbury Hall at, at Leicester they're both creative players in their own right they're both very expensive Premier League standard players as well so that goes to show you where Leif Davis is um, on that front he's, he's been fantastic he's also averages the third most created chances per game in the league which is just unreal I mean it helps that he's 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 taking set pieces for Ipswich but to have a player who's that consistent with his delivery is that um, consistent with his decision making as well in terms of when he passes uh, or when he crosses is 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 really important and it's quite hard to judge him defensively because it's just so front foot but my word Leif Davis he's an incredible incredible rise this season the championship record for the most assists by a defender is 14 Leif Davis is on nine and we're not even at the halfway stage at the time of recording. He is just a creative mastermind and he's a left back. So the fact he is in the top three most chances created in the division, that is insane. And he's doing it from all sorts of situations into set pieces, crosses, through balls, cutbacks. It's absolutely remarkable wonderful left foot doesn't really do it justice it is just something else he's someone who's benefited greatly from having Kieran McKenna as a manager around a year and a half ago he struggled to get a game at championship level he had a loan spell at Bournemouth didn't he where he barely featured mm-hmm. now he's a Premier League fullback and that's yeah. quite the turnaround in the space of a year and a half and what a rise it has been and it wouldn't surprise me if he keeps on rising 
Yeah, I, I would say he's five assists away from you saying he's going to get called up by Gareth Southgate for the England squad in the summer. Let's be honest. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, Justin. At the moment, England are a bit short when it comes to left back. We've obviously got the usual candidates: Shaw, Chilwell, Rico Henry's out injured. So, I mean, he's doing his utmost best to do what a left back in the Championship can do to get mm-hmm. in the England fold, isn't he? Except not playing in the Premier League, which goes against him in the the previous Man It goes week. against him, but it shouldn't. It, it, it shouldn't. You are right. Gareth Southgate is a snob. Um, <laughs> but Ryan Giles is the last person that you, you linked with, not linked, but suggested could be in the England squad and he's not doing particularly well. So I think for now, Leif Davis, good in the championship. Let's see where he goes. Well, he's got a big future ahead of him. And he's still, what is he, 23? Still he's 23. Early 20s, yeah. isn't yeah. he? Uh, so yeah, big future ahead of him, I imagine. Let's go to right wing then, Justin. In this team so far, it's Crescencio, Somerville of Leeds United. We're perhaps cheating having Somerville on the right because he's mainly played on the left. So if you don't like it, write a letter and stick it down the toilet. Oh, Crescencio. I was worried that this would happen when Leeds got relegated. They would keep hold of someone like Crescencio Somerville who would make a mockery of the division. And that is exactly what he's done. It took a while for him to get going. He missed a few games through injury, but when he got going, my God, since the start of October, he's played 13 games, scored nine, assisted five. In October and November, he was the best player in the league, simply irresistible. And he's had to single-handedly drag Leeds to three points on some occasions, but he has done it fairly effortlessly because he is extremely talented. He is fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. And how quick he is uh, as well and how efficient he is at getting into the box and bearing down on goal. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. He's got 10 goals for the season and six assists, but it's his goals really that impress me because, again, the, the type of runs that he makes are just consistent. They are almost repetitive, but because of his pace, because of his um, ability to get ahead of the defender and to think quicker than a defender in this, in this division, he stands out from the rest. And and like I said, I think it was his goal against Rotherham, which was superb. There's just a lot of occasions and examples of where he's using his own individual quality to get the better of a fullback. It's a very difficult thing to do so consistently in this division. And he's doing it. And he's doing it with ease as well, which is a scary thought because we've still got half a season to go. And to be on 10 goals at this point, is just ridiculous. Yeah, he's one of many players on this list who simply shouldn't be playing at this level, but they are. And what can sometimes happen is a player downs tools because they would much prefer to play at a high level. Not the boy Crescencio. He has been the standout player in this brilliant Leeds team. Justin, we'll do one more before we have a break. Who is our first centre mid in this championship team of the season so far? We've gone with Gabriel Sara of Norwich. And let's be honest, he's been on another level this season. He's been such a creative force for the Canaries. And you can argue maybe that he can be a bit absent in his uh, defensive duties on occasion, but his creativity... And the ability to dictate a tempo, to create chances just out of this world at this level. Um, and I will go as far as to say if it wasn't in this team, Norwich were probably looking f- uh, well, nervously over their shoulder at relegation. Because you've got a player here who, without his impact and influence on the final third, Norwich would be a lot more shot shy than, than they are at the moment. He's the second most creative player in a division. 
And it's just a shame that Josh Sargent has been injured because I think if he wasn't, he'd have a lot more assists and Norwich would be a lot further up the table with that combination of those two. Um, and he's got the ability to score a Thunder Bastard as well, which you've got to love. Yeah, it's quite scary to think, isn't it, where Norwich would be if they didn't have Gabriel Sara. There's a strong correlation between him playing well and Norwich playing well because he just makes things happen for mm-hmm. them. Running at defenders, playing the ball forward, spread, threading through that killer pass, scoring goals. He has been in inspired form for Norwich. And you're quite right, he's often had to do it by himself. Um, so he, I mean, he was by far the best player in the league in the first month of the season. It's been a bit up and down since then, but he's had far more ups and downs and the ups have been quite exceptional, haven't they? They have, they have, because he's got that quality and I think it's just a crying shame that Norwich haven't got the overall quality in the squad because if we're talking about creative levels and creative potential, we we can compare him to Emi Buendia because he's got that ability to constantly unlock defences at this level, like Emi Buendia did for Norwich. So that's what I mean. If you had Josh Sargent in this team, Norwich's fortunes could be so, so different because Gabriel Sarr is just so good at unlocking defences. And he's so consistent as well. The amount of chances he's created is per 90. is just ridiculous. Always looking forward. And you need that type of player in, in your midfield. And unfortunately, I don't think the midfield's quite balanced the way it needs to be to get the best out of Sarr, which is, again, a mad thing to say because Sarr has been unreal this season. He absolutely has. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll go through the rest of our team of the season so far and also reveal our predictions for the weekend. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is our team of the season so far in the Championship. So let's crack right on with our other centre mid in our midfield. And that is Kiernan Dewsbury Hall of Leicester City. And I'll start off with a big statement. He would probably be my player of the season so far. I think other players have had five-game spells where they've been unbelievable or even ten-game spells where they've stolen the headlines. Dewsbury Hall does it every single week. And we tipped him to be player of the season at the start didn't we the reason for that is because he's obviously too good for the championship he should be at a top half Premier League side but here he is and he's just torn the division apart he's a sentiment who's got 16 goals and assists this season not a number 10 he plays a bit deeper than that but has been a match winner on so many occasions for this Leicester side and has just been instrumental to everything good that they have done this season he is an unbelievable player Justin yeah, I remember um, throwing out some stats at the start of the season about the amount of touches he has in opposition areas, the amount of fouls he draws, and he does that. And that's so important for Leicester because they're a possession-based team. 
sometimes I wouldn't say the football can go stale, but the game can pass players by, especially when you're passing it around fairly often. But Keanu Dewsbury just makes things happen in the final third, which is a crazy thing, as you said. He's not your typical playmaker. He's a box-to-box player. He's a, he's, a, he's your number eight. He gets between the boxes so well. And I think nothing summarises that better than the, the, the last few goals Leicester have scored in recent weeks, the counter-attacks. How quick he is with the ball at his feet. Again, it's very hard to get that from a central midfielder. But he's got it. He's got so much poise and elegance with the ball. He, he, he dribbles like a winger, but he's got that you know, creative mindset and, and killer mindset to, to choose the right pass every time and he's, he's not scared to bollock his teammates when the pass isn't weighted right into his feet either he's really really stepped up again this season and he's been absolutely tremendous and I agree with you he's been my player this season so far yeah it's just obvious isn't it when you watch yeah. him that he's well, he's not even a class above he's a few classes above isn't he? everyone else is in preschool while he's at Harvard <laughs> <It's>, wow <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're looking at it from a purely stats-based perspective, joint most assists in the division, third most chances created, third highest expected assists, most goals for midfield, I could go on. But the bottom line is this. When putting this team together, he was the first name I wrote down. He is just a no-brainer inclusion in any team of the season so far. Justin, who is our left winger? Again, it's not a surprise. It's Jack Clark of Sunderland. Look, every single fan, coach, player, manager of a club in the championship wants Jack Clark in their team. Do not lie. I can I can tell if you're lying. <laughs> yes, his form may have dropped off a little bit, but the standards he's set have been fantastic. And we've had such a high quality of winger this season in the championship this season. The, the best from what I can remember covering uh, the league on this podcast, but 10 goals from out wide. Uh, coupled with him being statistically the most clinical dribbler in the league um, and the goals he scores are unreal as well the one against Sheffield Wednesday where he cuts inside and drills into the corner from range he did a similar um, against QPR earlier on in the season the way he just carries the ball Sunderland would not be a success without him because of his ability to just unlock teams by getting in and around fullbacks by being that difference maker when he needs to be Again, he's a player who's matured so much and he had a really good season last season. He's had a better season this so far um, this season and, and probably just behind Kennedy Hall would be my player of the season, but KDH has set the standard. Here's a stat for you, Justin. Progressive carries, a bit of a technical term, but it's where you dribble the ball 10 yards or more up the pitch. Very useful for getting your team on the attack. Only three players in the championship have more than 100 this season. The player with the second most has 130 Jack Clark has 181 progressive carries. He has dribbled past more players than anyone else in the division as well. He's the best dribbler in the division. You can watch that when you, you you can see that when you're watching him play and the stats back him up as well. He's absolutely fearless. And what can sometimes happen with that kind of player is they can run run past defenders, but have no end product. He's got 10 goals for the season. He had only scored 13 goals prior to this season. So that's something that he's really changed in his game. And need we remind you, Sunderland haven't got a striker. So for him to have basically taken on the burden of goals is the main reason why you're absolutely right, Justin. Without him, Sunderland would be nowhere near where they are in the division. He is one of several Sunderland players who have come on leaps and bounds over the past few months. In fact, he's the prime example of a player who's come on leaps and bounds. He's realising the potential that we we were expecting when he broke through at Leeds. And it's brilliant to see because he's had a few ups and downs in his career so far, hasn't he? 
It has. I mean, that move to Spurs was a disaster. Really poor loan spells at Stoke and QPR. But I really want to credit Tony Mowbray as well. I think Tony Mowbray's played a huge role in getting the best out of him. You go go, go back to last season where he was playing wing back, but still posting some incredible numbers. Now he's more advanced and, and, and really matured into that role of being the difference maker in a side. And that's a lot of pressure for a player. But Jack Clark stepped up and I think Tony, uh, Tony Mowbray deserves a lot of credit for that. He absolutely does. You're absolutely right, Justin. Let's go on to our forward line, our final two players in our team of the season so far. The first one is the top goal scorer in the division. It's Sammy Schmodix of Blackburn Rovers. I imagine a few Blackburn fans were worried about who would be their main goal scorer after the departure of Ben Brereton Diaz in the summer. What were we worried about? 14 goals for <laughs> Sam Schmodz, top goal scorer in the league. Quite the incredible return for a guy who had three seasons in the championship previous to this and had 11 goals to his name. 14 goals he's on for this season. That's incredible. Now, what sometimes happens with players who score a shed load of goals out of nowhere is it's a lucky streak where every time they shoot, it goes in. Sometimes these players just have green patches. But the underlying data shows that's not the case with Sami Schmodix. He's been excellent at getting in the right places at the right time. And it's incredibly hard to teach a player. So I don't know where it's come from with Sami Schmodix, but fair play to him. He has been deadly in front of goal this season. I would imagine it was never the blueprint to play Shami Shmodix. Shami Shmodix as a, as a, a striker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the Bond actor? I've forgotten his name. Sean Connery. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's a very difficult name to say when you're going off the cuff. Shami Shmodix. It was never the plan to play him as a striker this season. Um, I imagine from John Dahl Thomason. <laughs> Um, be, be, because because of Niall Ennis and Sam Gallagher picking up injuries this season but Schmodix has had to step up he has and he's been fantastic I've, I've likened him several times to, to Timu Puki in the, in the way that he runs and carries the ball in between a centre half a centre half and a full back and the way he finishes it's a very difficult skill to repeat over and over again I mean Michael Owen um, was very good at it as well and I'm not comparing the two but it's just that type of run that defenders find very hard to track Schmodix has got it nailed down and that's the reason, one of the reasons why I should say he's been so clinical getting into those goal scoring positions and then and then scoring it. And credit to Greg Brilton as well for, for bringing him in because that was a, an, a signing that did raise some eyebrows but he was key last season and my God has he been key this season. Yeah, not always played as a striker either. He's sometimes been playing in midfield as a number 10, sometimes as a false nine. So wherever he's played, he's managed to score goals this season. It's quite remarkable how he's come on so much this season. Let's go to our final player in our team of the season so far, Justin. Reveal the identity of said player. It's Southampton's Adam Armstrong. Now, a lot of if people will look at his record in championship and pin him as, oh, he's quality at this level. But you could argue that before this season, despite being a regular goal scorer, he was wasteful. His decision-making was poor and he was frustrating. I actually had a, a small debate, shall we say, for you, well, for, for a more polite way of saying it, with Adam Armstrong's dad on Twitter. Did you? Um, yeah, he tweeted me a few years back. I criticised him for not making the right decisions in, 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 in certain areas um, on, on, on the podcast. And he, and he took and he took um, exception to it. And fair enough, it's his dad. His dad's going to do it. But now, this season, I see how much he has matured under Russell Martin. Now, firstly, Martin's had to deploy him in several different positions so far. But Armstrong has been great at finding space. And he's been almost a 
sort of eight or nine out of ten every week in those positions. But his shot conversion is so much better than it has been in his previous championship stints. He's the second highest goal conversion in in, in championship this season in terms of the top 10 goal scorers in the league he's just been so per- superb he's been clinical he's got 12 for the season and six assists as well which shows that he's doing a lot more and we widely expected Shea Adams to take the accolade of top goal scorer this season he's been away from the first team from starting 11 on a regular basis mainly because Adam Armstrong has stepped up in credit to it well I wasn't sure how Adam Armstrong would take to being back in the championship because he didn't really pull up many trees in the Premier League so I think we'd be forgiven for wondering whether his confidence would have been shot but that's clearly not been the case Southampton have a lot of possession we all know this he converts it into goals 18 goals and assists in 22 games is incredibly impressive whichever way you look at it and I do think he might be the latest in a long line of players who fit into the category of too good for the championship not good enough for the Premier League He's got 40 goals in his last 62 championship games and scored four goals in 53 Premier League games. But, you know, that's not a bad thing to be able to say. I'm too good for this division full of talented players. It's actually very impressive. So he's been an absolute bagsman this season. And it turns out Adam Armstrong's dad was right all along. Yeah, he was. It's almost like he's his dad and he knows a bit more than me about Adam Armstrong. Granted, I was right at that time that he was wasteful, but... Look at him now. He's been fantastic and he's proven a lot of people wrong, as you say. No one would have thought he'd be in this position now of being such a uh, player that Southampton had been leaning on in the final third. Because again, without his goals, they, they would have been struggling. They, well, not struggling, but they wouldn't have been in the top six, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, fantastic that he's that he's stepped up and, and brilliant that he's proven people wrong as well. Yeah, outshone some very talented players, and he in the final third for Southampton, yeah. including Charlie Alcaraz, you know, Argentinian international. Mm. Um so if Adam Armstrong was Argentinian, would probably be getting a look in there. Um, nearly moved to Ipswich in the summer, by the way. They reportedly bid for him. And I think Southampton may have dodged a bullet there, not selling him to a promotion rival. Because on the other hand, it is quite scary to think how unbelievable Ipswich would have been if they also had Adam Armstrong showing the form that he has this season. So yeah, dodged a bullet there, did Saints. Justin, that has been our championship team of the season so far. So let's round it up and reveal who we have got. So who was the player between the sticks? It's Vlaklav Halavki of Ipswich. <laughs> Giving you the hard names, aren't I? Uh, at right back is Trey Hume. Centre half, we've got Wout Fowles of Leicester. The other centre-half is his Leicester teammate, Yannick Vestergaard. That left-back, we've got Leif Davis, again of Ipswich. Right wing is Crescencio Somerville of Leeds United. We've got Gabriel Sara in central midfield of Norwich City. His centre-midfield partner in this team is Kiernan Dewsbury Hall of Leicester. We've got Jack Clark on the left. He plays for Sunderland. Up front, Sammy Schmodix of Blackburn. And our final player, Adam Armstrong of Southampton. Good team. That's a very good team. I, th- I think we've pretty much nailed that, Just I don't really think there's anyone startling who we've left out there. No, I mean, you've got a lot of good wide players. Morgan Whitaker, Jonathan Rowe, yeah, yeah. um, Jaden Philogene, they've been fantastic. But those two, Clark and um, some of it have been otherworldly. They've been incredible. They really have. I think the only player who may be feeling a bit hard done to for not featuring in this team's maybe Cal Walker-Peters at Southampton at right back. I think he's someone we debated over, didn't we? I think Mads Hermanson at Leicester in goal mm. as well was another one who came quite close to getting to this team. Um, maybe a couple of defenders as well. I think Wesley Hoyt at Watford. So yeah. Fantastic season so far. And maybe a couple of other players as well. I think I suggested Dan Ballard to you, didn't I, of Sunderland yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah there, there's a few players who... 
came close, but I'm I'm very settled on this team. I wasn't having second thoughts at all with some of the players, well, the players that we've got in this 11. There we go. That's been our championship team of the season. Let's have a look ahead to the weekend, Justin. So in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but it's bigger odds with the bookies than their opponent. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. One point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit. That'll be a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back for Justin Peach, which is looking quite likely at the moment. And a CrossFit work out for myself that isn't looking very likely at the moment the current scores 26 18 to ryan dilks my lead was only strengthened last weekend with my banker of plymouth to beat rotherham coming in justin drew a blank and it's all getting a bit embarrassing now isn't it did you leave the scores off our running order on purpose to lay that in on me hard Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's looking it's looking pretty grim for me. I've been trying to be optimistic, but I was severely let down once again by teams I expected to get a result, mainly Blackburn. I predicted Blackburn to win, and they got absolutely panned by Southampton. So thanks for that, Rovers. You... Yeah. A poor worksman always blames his tools, <laughs> and that is exactly what Justin Peach is doing here. Justin, who is your banker for the weekend? Who am I going to be disappointed by this weekend? I've gone with Norwich to win at home to Huddersfield. Um, now, look, they're in a great run of form at the moment, so they should win. They should win. They've got players coming back from injury to full fitness, so they've become a different proposition in recent weeks. So I, I expect a win against Huddersfield. And, and again, you're looking at a team in Huddersfield who struggle for wins away from home and struggle for draws as well. Um, and you come against a Norwich team who are, are in form, so they've got to win. They have to win. Apologies to Norwich City fans. My banker for the weekend is Leicester to beat Rotherham at home. I think whoever picked their banker and outsider first was always going to pick this one. And because Justin never does his banker first because he's lazy, I got this lovely little tap in. Don't really need to explain it, do I? It's top view bottom. Rotherham are awful away from home. Leicester are quite good. Um, so that's why I've gone with Leicester to beat Rotherham as my banker. My outsider for the weekend is Coventry to win away at Sunderland. Now, Coventry have picked up recently. They look like they're trying to replicate last season where they started poorly and then salvage a playoff place. It's two wins from six for Sunderland. They're a bit up and down at the moment. So I fancy a Coventry win away at the Stadium of Light this weekend. Justin, what is your outsider? Of course, I was scorned by Blackburn last weekend. So of course, I picked them again this weekend. I've gone with Blackburn to beat Watford. I, yeah, I've backed Blackburn a lot, as I've mentioned. Um, and they are inconsistent, but they boast a lot of quality. And if it clicks, they're a decent bet, especially if the odds are literally against them in this sense. And look, Watford are a good side, but Blackburn have got quality to any team in this division, apart from Southampton last week. So I'm hoping it comes up front this weekend. We shall see. Now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's simple as that. There's three questions and this week I'll be providing the questions for Justin. Are you ready, Peachy? Yes, you said they were classics and I'm expecting classics. Yes, I did. This is vintage Scott High or Ryan Lowe right here. Some absolute classic questions for you. And we'll start off with this. Rank these championship clubs on who's had the most managers since the start of the 2010-11 season. <laughs> We're not counting caretakers on this list. It's just permanent bosses. And those clubs are Huddersfield Town, Leeds United, 
Sunderland and West Bromwich Albion. I think Sunderland, the reason why they dropped so quickly is because they they showed a lot of faith in managers they shouldn't have, uh, which meant time. So I'm going to go with Leeds, then Huddersfield, then who was the fourth team? West Brom. Then Sunderland, then West Brom. No, no, no. You, you weren't a million miles off, but... Not close either. Uh, you were correct. Leeds were top. Leeds had 16 managers in that time. Uh, Sunderland were next with 15. Um, went through a few managers in League One, didn't they? I'm not sure if that's yeah. the reason why, but that's just a mm. guess that I'm hazarding. West Brom next, 13. And then Huddersfield were bottom with 12. All quite close. No, it surprised me that. Because Huddersfield, I mean, they went through three last season for starters. Mm. Which is a which is a chunky well it's a, a quarter of their uh, total for the last thirteen yep. years. Good maths, mate. Thank um, you. Had Wagner for a while though, didn't they? And um, mm. Grayson, I suppose. Clark. Yeah, screwed that one around up. for a while. Yeah. Anyway, next one is this. Here's four EFL clubs. Rank them on who's the most southern: <laughs> Exeter, Plymouth, Portsmouth, Southampton. Bit of a geography question for you, Justin, just to mix things up. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Southampton and Portsmouth. That are going to be a little bit cheeky. Depends who's more southern than those. I'm going to go with Plymouth being the most southern. Then I'm going to go Portsmouth because that they look a little bit further down on the map. Okay. Then Southampton because I think that's a bit more inland. Okay. Then uh, Exeter. You have got Exeter wrong. You have massively underestimated how south Exeter is. So Plymouth were correct that that they are the most southern team by a fair distance in the EFL. Exeter were next. They are just slightly below Portsmouth geographically, just ever so slightly. It's very close. Then Portsmouth and then Southampton. Happy with that? You, you're googling, so I'm guessing yeah, you're checking. Are you? I'm going to check this out on the after. I, I'm I'm convinced Exeter's a little bit, you know, quite close to like Barnstable, places like that. Well, you can have a look on the map I was looking at yesterday, which I I believe is the same map as the one you're going to be looking at. It is further south than Portsmouth is, um, but there you go. And finally, rank these food items on which are. Most commonly included in a Christmas dinner by the great British public, according to a YouGov poll. Brussels sprouts, cranberry sauce, pigs in blankets, Yorkshire pudding. I, I, I don't, I think people will avoid having Yorkshire puddings on a, roast, uh, on a Christmas dinner because they're heathens. They should be on Christmas dinners. Um, but because they have them on a roast dinner, they'll avoid them. Cranberry sauce only comes out once a year. So do the Brussels sprouts and so do pigs, so do the Pigs and blankets. But I think pigs and blankets are going to be top because the okay. nation loves them. Then I'm going to go with cranberry sauce because turkey's dry as hell, so they need something to wet that. Uh, and cranberry sauce, I think, is what they use. I don't know, really Not know gravy? what. Yeah, but I don't know. I'd, why is cranberry sauce a thing? What does it go on? I'm I'm not a fan personally, so yeah, you don't. I, like, I, I won't be able we, to tell you. You don't like taste, so that, that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go. Uh, pigs and blankets, cranberry sauce, Brussels sprouts, and of course Yorkshire puds. 
you have made an absolute dumpster fire of that one, Justin, my boy. Um, top was Brussels sprouts. 66% of the great British public have that on a Christmas dinner. Not far behind that is pigs in blankets with 65%. Yorkshire pudding has split the nation. That is next. 50% of people have it. 50% don't. And finally, bottom of the pile is cranberry sauce. 41% of people have that on their Christmas dinner. It's always on the table at Christmas dinner. It's always on the table. I don't think anybody touches it, but it's always on the table. So I imagine a lot of people might follow the same suit there. I could be controversial and suggest that maybe people just forgot about it when they were doing this poll. Maybe. But <laughs> overall, I've, I've never been a fan. No, no, I, I don't think I've ever had it. I'll be honest. No. no. You just said I don't have any taste because I don't have cranberry sauce. But you don't have it either. No, but I, I like spice. I like things. I like to... spice. No, you don't. I don't like too spicy, but no. I like uh, I like a bit of a bit of spice in there. You 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 have a medieval appetite. You just eat oh. salted salted meats. That's all you eat. Jump in a bin, vegan. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the second tier podcast. We'll be back again on Saturday because we have got a load of games on Christmas Eve Eve. So we'll be there on Christmas Eve to talk about them. If uh, you don't have anything better to do on Christmas Eve um, but this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Saturday as always if you won't mind giving us a Christmas present of your own in the form of a five star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on uh, then we will be eternally grateful uh, so please take your time to do that it takes five seconds and that'll be the greatest gift of all for us this Christmas this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.